Hello. Hello. There's a little, a little sound difficulty. <laughs> so, how are you today, Eloisa? I'm very good. How are you? I think we got you back. Great. Now I can raise the volume. I am doing quite well. Cool. Uh, my brain's on fire. As oh, they say, or, in a good way or a bad in a, way? In a good way, right? It's just like <laughs> life is so, so exciting, right? Like, uh, you know, there's so many, so many hardships and difficulties and suffering we can go through, right? And it's inevitable that we're going to suffer. Uh, but uh, despite that inevitable suffering, there are ways for us to well, in the words of Jordan Peterson, my favorite words, not make it worse. You know, I, before Jordan Peterson said that, I knew that it was kind of hanging out in my consciousness that, mm. you know, that people were doing things to, you know, make a situation worse. Like something bad happens, but now I'm going to think about how stupid I am that that happened or how terrible I am and regret it and, and punish yeah. oneself for doing it. It's like, hey, you know, at the least you could not make this worse. So people would say I had a positive attitude and I was like, I, I don't feel like that's positive. Um, and then I, I started to think about it and I said, oh, I, I see why they think it's positive. Let's say um, someone failed and I, at something and I'll say, well, you failed and did you learn how to do it better? Can you, um, can you find new ways of doing things? And they go, yeah, sure. So that failure actually supported you in realizing what you didn't know about life or didn't know, didn't know about, about yourself. Pardon me? Didn't know about yourself. Didn't know about yourself. Exactly. So, you know, we, we know suffering is going to come, but, you know, why make it worse? At the minimum, you don't, you don't have to think about making it better. That would, might be coping. I, I don't need to make it better. Right. So if somebody comes to me and says, oh, you know, someone just died. But, you know, death happens. Right. So buck up and get on with it. It's like, no, that's not helpful. Right. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. not you helpful know. At all. It's it, what, what is helpful is, well, you are going to grieve. So what is something you can do to grieve? You can't escape the grieving process. It's going to happen. Yeah. This is a, a terrible thing that occurs in our lives it's inevitably gonna happen someone's gonna die and i'm gonna die right so i mean you, you might like they say you, you cannot escape life unscathed it's not possible, not possible. Mm. i know we seek it and that's what all our coping mechanisms and defenses are is to defend against something occurring that's horrible and we often use the same old behaviors. So what you and I wanted to start today was, was Cain and Abel, the first murder. So what I'm going to do is read a bit and see where intuitively we need to kind of stop and, and discuss. So I'm back. Yes, darling. That was um, strange. Anyway. Okay, so we're doing Cain and Abel, the first murder. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. 
and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And again, and she again bore his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is that thou countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt not be accepted. But if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. So I'm not going to continue at this point, but I just wanted to, in lieu of what we were talking about and got cut off there, mm -hmm. um, just kind of look at, we already know that Adam and Eve have, have been expelled from the garden. And it's it's really important to bring up that the snake is in the garden, so you know, there's that question of why would God put a snake in the garden? Well, what we were talking about earlier, there's always oh. suffering somewhere, right? Yeah. So, so the snake has to be there. It's a representation of what our lives are about. Uh, I kind of got the feeling that most people I talk to is saying that God did this to us, but it just seems to me that's the way it is here. Uh, you can say somebody did it, etc., but that's not quite the truth, right? <laughs> so, mm. I mean, it's you, you were going to do this a little superficially just to begin um, maybe a question and answer type engagement with our audience. So, here that snake caused, um, well, is the catalyst for Eve to eat the apple. And then um, so does Adam. And of course they know that they are naked, right? Before they were behind the veil of ignorance, which in tarot is the devil, right? Uh, the snake is the devil, but is bringing the, the sense of you can, you will see things you haven't seen before, basically. And here Adam and Eve, now are cast out of the Garden of Eden and they have two children and each of them gives an offering to God and he doesn't respect Cain's offering and he does ask Cain why. We don't get an answer, but he explains that, why are you, well, through his question, why are you angry? Why is your countenance down? And when you're when you do well, you're accepted. You're you're loved, basically, right? Mm. You know why are you getting mad about this? What what is this wrath all about? You know the minute the minute something we do um, is not accepted by someone else, right? 
you know, when we get angry, we know um, in Chinese medicine that anger is the liver, right? And liver resends energy. So we know it's resentment, clearly resentment. So, so here something is not accepted as though we're supposed to be accepted, right? As though everything we do should be accepted. Yeah. That's, you know, why would it be, yeah, let's try and answer this. Why, why would it be that not everything is accepted? Well, that would mean everything would fit. Everything would be right. Everything, I don't know. It just makes everything black and white in a way. Well, everything white. Yeah, and it also gives me that sense of if there is a right or wrong, I can be given a rule book. Yeah. And then just follow it. So it really takes away my freedom to, to you know, have shades love, of gray. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, so all the, all the different shades. And also thinking about the four in, in tarot, we have four elements earth, air, fire, water. And I've always said that fire is the most difficult element, unless you see it as anger or you see it as um, sex. It's really easy. But that leaves us with swords, which is the mind, uh, earth, which is the physical body, and then all the physical stuff that exists. Mm. Water is our emotional state, right? Uh, so we know all of that. And then, well... What else is there? You know, if, if the mind's already occupied, if if that would be so that the mind is occupied with a series of rules, and all we do is look at those rules and follow them, it seems to me it just takes away the experience of being an individual. Yeah, that's no, fun. Uh, the explorate the fun, the exploration, everything else is missing. And and myself as an individual mm. creator right so i listen to lots yeah. of different interpretations of Cain and Abel I've you know heard different ways but I'm explaining it in the way I explain it yeah right there there's my there's no right or wrong no it's my creativity it's my sense of putting things together it's um my intuition and and yeah the way i've thought about things you know how i've i've brought it together just as you have right so yeah. so it makes it interesting i think it makes it interesting i think it makes it interesting that we both have a different um way of expressing it yeah i i, I find that interesting if it's just one way uh, it's just like you're being lectured to right yeah Instead of, and then oh, it was like well if here's the rule book here is what is right, then everybody would conform to that and everyone would be the same. Yes, and we, would, we wouldn't even have um, like a, a possibility of coming to a conclusion of anything. The conclusion would be preset. Yeah. So that's all part of ourselves. We're able to come to conclusions. We're able to look at things and figure things out. That means I don't have to figure out a thing. It's already figured out for me, right? So here's Abel who's, who's gains respect. And then Cain who's like, well, no, you don't get respect for what you've done. 
he's basically saying, you know, you're, this isn't acceptable. You can do better than that. Yeah. What are you getting angry about? You can improve on this. You're capable of, of making conclusions. You're capable of figuring things out. Hmm. You're a human being with the, all of this capacity to do things and figure out things. You aren't born knowing it all. There's possibility. So much, right? And that, yes. It comes back to, you know, that we had that discussion of, you know, do we have free will or don't? <laughs> don't we? But this clearly states that I have a lot of things that I can use and function. It really plugs holes in uh, the idea I'm the do I'm not the doer, I'm being done. Um, but we do have these individual choices. We can we can somehow shake up the world. So one of the things we can go into is victimology, much like Cain oh. does, right? His countenance is down, you know, his face, you could just imagine his face, you know, drops and he's like angry. Yeah, I can imagine somebody, their boss tells them, look, you didn't do a good job. You know, here in, in um, I don't know if it's all of Canada. Uh, I'm certain it likely is, but I have a, a friend who came and worked for a company here in, in Quebec. And uh, he's worked all over the world, obviously. He's been sent to different places. And he's originally from Germany, I think. Lived in South Africa, lived in all kinds of different places in the world. And here he ends up here. Hmm. And, uh, you know, after about a year of him working here, I said, can, can, you know, tell me what it's like, you know, as a foreigner to see what... Canada's like and he kind of gets this weird look and he says oh it's all fine and his wife looks you know notices that I notice his weird look and I and she said tell her she's she's okay with it you know she really wants to know she's curious yeah and he said no 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 and I said please you know I'm very curious yeah. about how things look and he said oh, okay um so it was difficult for him to tell me something that would not be acceptable. Yeah. Right. So, so here's, he's, he's evaluating whether it's acceptable or not. He's figuring out what offering he's going to make now. Do I make this offering? Yeah. Do I risk, you know, being rejected as well and not being accepted? It's so interesting to take, take every story that we have and, and bring it to it. And I was like, no, 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 go ahead. And he says, well, um, I've been called into HR a few times because of the way I speak to um, uh, other employees. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah. so interesting. Like what? So, well, I, I, you know, I received a document and I went up to the person who, who had typed it out and I said, oh, can you please correct the errors here? Yeah. And, uh, and this person took him to HR. <laughs> basically you shouldn't tell me i did anything wrong yeah right wow. and and this kind of you know, yeah just the way he said fun. yeah the way he said he spoke to different europeans or uh africans africans is a big word but he's been in different countries in the in the continent mm. of africa i don't know where else he he worked but just totally you know the, the, he had to be uh, almost reconditioned to deal with the sensitivity of of uh, employees here. I was fascinated, yeah. completely fascinated that 
you know, originally um, employees, let's say in the early 1900s, were abused. They were treated badly. I, I, I would say probably yeah. paralleled to the, the factories in China where people are jumping out the windows committing suicide because of the conditions. Well, right? that would have been the, like the beginning of the industrial age here in the mills and everything i it's the same thing right it's north america thing. europe mm. i think we have you know similar similar conditions where they i don't know i mean i don't know the Back dates the of day. when unions yeah, yeah. were created in the uk or france or um and then yeah. you know unions are huge in europe right they've got a lot of power i mean uh, in france it's like oh c'est une autre manifestation so there's another you know, um, gosh, I forgot what manifestation is in English. Strike, right? Oh, and yeah. Demonstration. demonstration. Or the um, is a demonstration. <laughs> Greece, you know, every time you go, oh, today it's the taxis have gone on strike. Oh, today it's the electricity that's gone yeah. on strike. It's called <laughs> uh Today, you know, in so many countries, it's all about, um, you know, going on strike. So you go, when you go back, Yes, it was terrible. Yes, they needed some kind of protection that the companies, you know, didn't take advantage of them. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, of course, you want you want better conditions. But, you know, my my uncle actually worked for the the Canadian Postal Service. He was one of the I'd say a manager. I don't have him around. He's dead now to mm. confirm everything. But he came home one day. Uh, came over for dinner and he was early and we're like, how come you're not at work? He said, oh, it's another strike. And uh, I have to go into the meetings to take care of things because he worked with the the uh, unions. Yeah. And he said, but you won't believe what the strike's about and why it started. I'm like, oh my God, just tell me. And yeah. he said, um, a guy came in and on the rack, there wasn't a hanger for him. <gasps> yeah. So, so you know, it, it really, it really runs home that yeah. if you're a boss or you're an employee that that has such power in a union, that mm. you're going to act horribly, right? It's not, it's not like the minute you become a boss, you act horribly. Yeah, you know, or you're an employee. Humans have the tendency to act horribly. You're not, you're not acting. Um, well enough it's unacceptable this is not a condition that is hurting you mm. you know bring a hanger from home yeah you know bring a hanger from home and support your own company that's giving you wages and all of the canadian people that are paying into the canadian postal service to support you and you're complaining about a hanger mm. right like why why do you why do you even have a right to a hanger yeah. Why do you have that right? I don't even understand it. Why are you given that? Why is that considered a human right? You know, here's God telling <laughs> Cain, you don't have the right to think everything you do is acceptable. Yeah. So even, this is so curious, even if something is a law, it doesn't make it right. You know, Even if to, something is a lie, it doesn't make it right. In the minute something is a law. Oh, law. Becomes a law. law. I like yeah. law. <laughs> the minute something becomes law, it doesn't make it right. Yes. Absolutely. Right? So, and it's so interesting how we glom onto laws that are in themselves wrong. Yeah. 
And yet we will say, yeah, but it's the law. So it's the principle of the thing I need to enforce the law. But that law is not necessarily right. It's up to the adjudicator. It is up to the judge. This is why it makes it so strange when we go to court, because it's up to the judge to figure it out. And do we have judges who are genuinely good? Mm. And then that brings in the idea of goodness, right? How do you know that you are good? Yeah. Most people say, well, I'm nice. I, I interviewed a few people. So it's like, well, as long as they're nice to everyone. And right away I went, yeah, but if I'm nice to everyone, then I can meet someone abusive, be nice to them, and they could punch me out. No, that doesn't seem right to me. That doesn't seem like that's going to work. So I can't be nice to everyone. Um, Some people told me, people who are kind, but how does kindness make you good? Well, they give you money, they give you things, they feed you, um, they don't complain about things. that doesn't sound right, eh? No. That doesn't sound, you just think, well, they're nice and they give you things. Yeah. Well, that sounds really selfish. Yeah. Like, why should someone else give you something? So yeah. are you giving back? Oh, sure, I give back, right? So I don't, I don't understand. So somebody's giving to you, you're giving to them. That means you're giving to people who already don't even need what you have is that I don't I don't really get it it doesn't make any sense to me so we use this terminology to say what's good so what to you is goodness um and everybody out there in podcast yeah be thinking about this question right so following the ten commandments while we're in bible now um no, oh, goodness can be being authentic. Goodness can be being horrible if it's the best thing in the long run. It's, I don't know if there's an answer. <laughs> well, the only way I understand if I'm good or not is knowing how evil I can be, right? So I have yeah. resentment, I have anger, there's jealousy, there's uh, wanting revenge. There's looking at someone else and going, man, how did you do that? I'm so jealous that I can't do it. Um, you can mm. do all these things. But choosing yeah. choosing to say, no, I'm not going to be resentful and jealous. I'm going to be curious, adventurous. Yeah. Go in the unknown well, and say, hey, how did you do that? Hey, can you help me out? Hey, can isn't, you just... that, isn't that just not judging? No, because if I don't, no, no, that is judging. I want to observe it. No, 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 no. The way I'm saying it, sorry, it's just to make sure I'm clear and explaining it. It's within me to know how evil I can be, and I choose to be good. Yeah. Right. So it's very different. It is a judgment. I judge that that is evil. Look, if I'm resentful, what's going to happen? We know that. Cain rises up and kills Abel and lives with the mark of Cain. Mm. So our our vengeance, resentment, these very evil things within us, very evil, we have Mm. it in us. To to say you can't murder, to say that you, um, and, and, you know, metaphorically, 
often the things that we do, um, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, they end up killing parts of themselves. I'm not going to kill my murderer. I may need him, as you were saying earlier. I may need to judge at some point. Let's say you and I are walking along the street. Someone takes a rock and bashes you in the head. You fall over. They start kicking you. I may just take another rock and bash them in the head. Good. Right? Get them off (laughs) you. Absolutely. I'm going to commit violence. I may kill them. It may yeah. be possible I kill them. It's not that I'm going to intentionally go and murder, but that natural animalistic protection is going to come out. And okay, that's in that circumstance, it's fine. Well, mm. not fine. It's not fine. Violence and, and needing to end violence with violence is never fine. It's not, no. it's not something you can, you can be happy with, but it's something you might have to do. Mm. You know, and and there's nothing right or wrong about it. No, we always, I, I don't know, you've used this example as well. If someone was stealing my child, I may murder them to stop them stealing my child. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it, yeah. Yeah, so many situations, right? Yeah. But when we start living that way, um, through because we have so much resentment and a lot of that resentment is coming from uh, childhood, right? We've gone yeah. through childhood. There are things that we deemed uh, that our parents thought were unacceptable, our teachers, whatever. And we live resenting those things. And then we see it in the present and it's as though the whole, well, it does the whole past floods into the present and we judge the same circumstance. So that's the kind of judgment that is based in resentment that is based in the idea that I'm resentful, jealous, vengeful. It's, it's when you face that and say, okay, yeah. I, it's okay, I see it's there. To be honest that it's there. I think people who deny that they have evil in them, and oh. I, it's really coming to me as we get to the end of the flood, and in, in, uh, I know I'm jumping forward, but when... God eliminates every yeah. everyone when he eliminates everyone except for Noah's and and his wife and all the, oh, and the, the two beasts and from the insects on um, and he you know they, they come to dry land and God says I will never do this again I, I don't have the exact quote but he says he'll never do it again because man is inherently evil I think that's a really important message He's not saying that we, we, we don't have inherent goodness, but we're definitely evil. And, and the person who's going to guard our evilness is not someone else. Mm. But someone else will give you an indicator of whether you're doing okay. Or not. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah. You know, if you're a whining wife, you know, constantly nagging the husband. Yeah. Right, oh, um, <laughs> you know that's you're you're not being a barometer, and then he starts to become more and more distant. He starts yeah. to pull away. Your sex life is not as good. You know yeah. things are just not working as well, and you you might ask him what's going on. He might not even know what's going on, mm. but you certainly can uh, take hold. For him, he's going to have to take hold of how do I how do I indicate to my wife that 
this nagging needs to be something she deals with because most of the time we're saying we have got to it's the other like if my husband would just do this that and the other thing Mm. I'm going to be okay which clearly is based in I'm good I do all the right things and you do it wrong so clearly a person like that has not examined where they're doing something wrong Mm. you know I love it with my husband we you know if I if I get disjointed it hasn't happened for quite a few years but you know when we first started having the relationship getting to figure things out and what we're doing and to understand each other and to understand myself I did a few weird things you know there were some weird things that I did and he caught me right away and said something and I went huh that's really good that was really good that's smart he really picked up on something he just said something that hit me really strongly. I went, yeah, I need to go and and sit with that. And I did. And as I sat with it, like, let's say, you know, um, like if I said, well, you know, I did this for you and that for you and this for you. And it feels like you don't appreciate it. And he said, well, I did this, this and this for you. And I feel like now you're not appreciating it. And I'm like, Uh, wow, I'm the one who brought up this topic. And he's now speaking in the present saying, well, if you're going to do that, I feel unappreciated for what I've done. And I have to go back to the the table and look at myself and go, hey, you know, a lot of that is coming from the past. A lot of that is coming from training I had from the women in my life, you know, that, that they were resentful about these things. I went, you know, this has nothing to do with this relationship. And literally, you know, all of this dynamic fell away and I started looking at it as it is, not with the past, right? Because no matter what, we we approach each other uh, until we don't, right? Yeah. With all of our history. So, so just yeah. feeling all of that history. And if you go even further, you know, your genetics has the history of, you know, your entire family. You've got, we were talking about this uh, during a uh, little session work we were doing or, or preparing for this was that, you know, every single person you sleep with, you mentioned that giving blood, you know, mm-hmm. you can feel that your blood went into someone and you could feel that energy. And also uh, every single person we've ever slept with, we're experiencing what they're going. Not only that, uh, the people they slept with, it's massive it's massive (laughs) massive. finally gets to everybody (laughs) well it really brings home the the ideas of some like someone like dr hugh len who works with the hoponopono right and no it's hoponopono that's it i always make it up don't ask me i'm dyslexic (laughs) (laughs) so you know, he, he's just supposedly now just working with, um, you know, doing Ho'oponopono to everything just to clear the whole world. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I had that. Yeah. My teacher, one of my teachers, Daskalos, you know, uh, in the, the late 80s, when I went to him, you know, he's about clearing karma within himself and others in the world. Uh 
I always had that sort of big idea since I was a kid that I wanted to save the world, you know? Mm. Uh, of course, understanding that I'm not the savior. It's that in, in my own resolution of conflict, um, any ignorance that needs to be transmuted into wisdom, which I think is basically what God is saying, look, you're ignorant and you need to become wise, figure things out. If you don't figure this out, that your offering coming to me now is I don't respect it. How are you going to make your way in the world? Mm. And, and Cain doesn't, doesn't even take, um, take heed that God has asked him these questions and told him. If you do well, you'll be accepted. And if you don't do well, sin lies at your door. Mm. Right? It's the same energy or, or, or parallel is if we're an employee and we only think we do well. Right? I think I'm mm. good. I think I'm a great employee. I think I do well. Yeah. Well, you've kind of come to know. a stasis point, haven't you? Just like Cain. As soon as I hear someone who says, but I'm really good at what I do. Now, I'm not talking about knowing you're good at something right. and you're constantly, yeah. you know, working through it. I'm talking about, I'm good at what I do, so the boss should acknowledge it. I'm good at what I do, so the boss should pay me more. I'm good at what I do. I don't need to do anything else. I'm adequately doing what's needed and I need more. I need mm. to receive more. It's it's that kind of static mentality, right? I mean, yeah. I don't know about you. You know, I think that when I was working for a big company, yes, I was working really hard, but I was always trying to figure out what I could do more. Yeah. Not, and also not sitting, I didn't sit around to say I'm good at what I do. I didn't care about that. Mm. Oh God, it's not even something that ever entered my mind. The, what was always there was, hey, you know, there's always room to improve what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, I always, sorry. Go ahead. I always went into work every day in the corporate world going, right, what can I do today that's going to have the most impact? Yes. That was my kind of mantra. It was, yeah. Yeah, and I was a little bit more basic. How can I help this company earn more money? That way I get more money and I'm, I have a safe job. I'm, mm. I always went, I am responsible for this company. Yeah. I, I never felt like I wasn't part of the company. So when I was sitting, I, I was given a, a position that, that was a replacement for someone else and, and I learned how to do it. I would go in six o'clock in the morning till eight, nine o'clock at night and just leave. I didn't ask for more money. I didn't mention anything to anyone. You know, I just went in yeah. and went out. And um, I figured out how to do it. Not, I, I mean, in a week or two, I didn't figure out everything, but I did figure out things. So I, I actually went up to the supervisor and I asked him a question. He looked at me and said, you know, Terry Ann, just go ahead and do what you need to do. Um, quite yeah. frankly, we didn't, we just put you there as a figurehead. We didn't expect you to do the job. You're doing great. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're making some mistakes, but where you charge, you price things too low. There are other things you price too high. So you're, you're doing great. Your table's doing great. Your desk is doing great. But so, okay, so that occurs. And then I'm given the position that I was originally hired for and I had nothing to do. 
I, yeah. I'd gone from working six in the morning till nine at night, which I didn't need to actually continue doing that, but um, mm. that I liked an active day. I wanted to be busy. But there I was sitting there completely bored. And yeah. I would get up and go to my manager, not the supervisor. It's like, can I, I would take, I would bring pledge from home and a dust cloth and I dust everything. And I go around <laughs> dusting people's little cubicles. And I went to my manager and I said, can I dust your cubicle? And she looked at me and she says, you know, get away from me kind of thing. And I was like, wow, you know, okay. And she gave me some strange work to do. She gave me these old uh, books. She said, study the pricing. And I've yeah. already done so much that I'm like, I don't need to study this pricing. You're giving me futile work. Actually dusting this and making our environment cleaner is actually yeah. better for us. Not that it mattered. I sat and did it anyway, but I was like, my yeah. God, this is so boring and redundant. You could yeah. give me something that will make the company money, right? Yeah. Not give me basic work that I stayed from six o'clock in the morning till nine o'clock at night. Then I found out she had a little bit of jealousy and resentment, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. That was building. So you see it everywhere. And it's, it's up to us not to turn into Cain. Right. Mm. So you could say yep. that the, the manager rose up as Cain, right, to eviscerate me or to try and kill my enthusiasm and everything that I need to do to keep the job going. And so interesting going to the supervisor. Once I asked, I gave in my resignation because I was so bored. I, <laughs> I started yeah. building my own company. Right. If, yeah. you're, if you're not giving me something in the work. Right. And I didn't realize I, I didn't know at the time I was young and very naive. I went to the manager saying, can't you give me something more to do? And she didn't pass it on to the supervisor. But when I resigned, she had to she brought the resignation letter to the supervisor. So yeah. now she is sent back to me and they gave me a, a first offer was a thirty thousand dollar raise. I was like, oh, my God, I was even ashamed to even agree yep. to take that money for this job. So I said, no, no, no. And then they offered me a hundred thousand. And then they said, <laughs> yeah. what do you want? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not, no, no, I'm not staying here. I can't, I can't stay. It, it, the, it's unbelievable how when, you know, this, there's a real reasoning or experiential aspect to uh, the, the podcast when I talk about meaning. Without meaning, I think I gained uh, 25 pounds in sitting there doing nothing. Yeah. I was so frustrated and so bored that I started gaining weight. Yeah. And it was, I, I was, I was suffering intensely being in a job that had no meaning. Now, the first couple of weeks where I was given this position that belonged to the manager was exciting. I was losing weight. I, yeah. was, I was feeling really good. I was, I was like, wow, you know, I, and I can, they'll give me more and more and I'll figure out more. When I was, when I was put in my position, the, the moment, like, I, I find it unbelievable that, that, that they watched me doing this. They could have given me anything to figure out. I mean, whatever needed to be done in the company, they could have just put me there and said, figure it out. Right. So they could have done yep. that. Even if they had said, clean the whole floor, I would have done it. Yeah. Just, just to be like doing something uh, that, that 
like even dusting is fulfilling because it's it, it's not like the job I would want to stay in. But if you're sitting there doing nothing, and you know you can't leave, well, I can still answer my phone while I make my environment nicer. Yeah. Right. Um, so just going back to something that gives you meaning. You know, it's mm. so meaningless to see sit in a cubicle of fake wood in front of a computer screen doing absolutely nothing, waiting. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Just just um, demoralizing. And, and I'd say I could do better. Whatever that is, I could do better than just sitting here. Right? Yeah. So it, it just seems to me that... Uh, you know, that, that Cain and Abel, we can use it to look at any part of our lives, even as a wife and a husband, and she becomes yeah. resentful because he gets to go to work and she stays home with the kids. I don't get it. Yeah. I completely don't get it. I, I just don't get it at all. You know, it, 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 it's like you're given a task that certainly is not boring. If you find raising your children boring, you're probably not Why do doing we have it. children. <laughs> well, also, you're probably not doing it right. Yeah. You know, you're probably not. Yeah. Are you reading books? Are you exploring how the human brain develops? Are you looking yeah. at the different phases of life and how how you can deal with your child? I have a little and what tiny, your child's needs. I have a little tiny bird, and they say these these birds have a brain of a six year old. Man, you know, imagine having this little thing with a beak that eats everything. And is a six-year-old and also is very, very affectionate, extremely yeah. affectionate. So he wants attention. He wants to be with me. Uh, if, yeah. if he's chewing at something and I just talk to him, he will come straight to my face. So yeah. the fascination about learning how this bird is dealing with the world and how I can best make its life. Right. Yeah. I, I've never trained a bird in my life. We always just had the birds free and they would come to you. They would love you and go off. But this one can't mm. like I know budgies don't like to be alone, but they're OK. Like my budgie, you know, I'd leave for a few hours yeah. come back. She'd be, you know, singing and playing with their toys. This one, you come back and he's sitting in one place doing this a little chirping i look at him and i go you look like a little retard there like i know it's not politically correct but because he looks like this uh absence that i i've left him there has has hurt him right Mm. and you know he comes right on to me and it's almost sad right so now i want to train him to get into a harness so i can take him everywhere i go I can just bring him with me to the grocery store. Yeah. Bring him with me wherever I need to go. Yeah. All right, sweetheart. So we're going to end there and take a little breather and come back and review. I think we're jam-packed with stuff in this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely jam-packed. So um, I like to take a breather on it. And uh, yeah. Pick we'll, up next we'll time. come back and pick it up from wherever we pick it up from. Yeah. Uh, so wonderful to hear your voice, Eloise, and to oh, do this work with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Hopefully, this is food for thought for you to parallel Cain and Abel in your life. And we've hardly touched the surface of it. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. See you next week. Bye, sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. Bye.